Hi, this is your CyberPath. We're the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job. And we're back. Uh, I'm Kip Boyle. We have Wes Schreiner, my co-host here. We're have, we have a guest here today, too. We'll tell you about him in a moment. Uh, but first, I want you to know that we're experienced hiring managers of cybersecurity professionals, and we're going to share with you what we know because we want you to get your dream cybersecurity job. We actually want you to be irresistible to cybersecurity hiring managers and uh, so that they'll actually do backflips to try to figure out how to get you on their team. So this episode is available as uh, audio-only recording in your favorite podcast app. But now, kind of a new thing is we also are available as a video. So go to YouTube and search for our channel, our playlist. It's called Your CyberPath Podcast. And then you'll be able to see the slides that we're sharing today. And why do we have slides? Because today is another episode in a series that's designed to tell you all about the way that cybersecurity organizations are put together. We want you to know what the possibilities are and where the opportunities are uh, so that you can make a great decision about your, you know, your future cybersecurity career. Okay. And as I said, today we're going to, uh, we're going to dive deeply into one of the areas and we're going to do it with the help of a guest. Wes, who do we have today? I'm excited about today, Kip. It's going to be fun. We've got Brad Gobble joining us. Brad is, uh, comes to us uh, from the greater Puget Sound area. I believe he's on, on one of the islands today. Uh, looks like at a library. Brad? That's what we do here. We, we, we read and we stay out of the rain. Because I'm south end of Whidbey ah, Island. Standing. Shout out to all of our uh, Hansville Inlet folks, if anyone knows where that is. Look it up. It's a good time. And he's Wales. on island time. I can't even believe you got him to put on clothes and come talk to us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you don't want to know what I normally wear. It's all good. Though. We don't want to know. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> there we go. So, Kip, I need to tell you that it's been pretty wild on the farm this week. We had 60 tons of rock delivered to the, the property. Um, How do you do that? Is there a train? Uh, no, no train. <laughs> this is done 60 tons so far, and we've got another 40 tons scheduled. Uh, this is dump truck loads that are then, uh, I learned the word quarry spalls, right? Because quarry spalls are the larger rocks that then go down before you put the medium-sized rocks and then the small rocks in order to build a road. If you put the small rocks down first, you lose them. If you put the uh, into the dirt and into the mud. If you only put small rocks down, they disappear quickly and your road is gone. What I learned is if you've got the right architect, your road's going to be very successful. And if you don't have the right architect, it's not going to work very well. And wow. I think that's going to be a lot of fun in today's conversation because we're going into security architecture and test. How about that? There what you a go. lead in. I, was, I wanted to know where you could tie that in, man. Good job. <laughs> Life on Thanks. the farm is a metaphor for cybersecurity. In every way. We are just plumbing that. <laughs> we are living life on the edge. All right, let's jump in and see what we've got scheduled for today. Uh, I know that we're, we're in the new, new journey in the new video. We're looking at what is the greater cybersecurity organization. Today, we're going to look specifically at security, engineering, architecture, and test. And glad to have Brad here. Brad, this is, uh, this is kind of fun. Some nice pictures of you there. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Brad, you, uh, you've been at Microsoft, you've been at Oracle, you've been at HP, you've been at Expedia, you've been at some big places. Uh, you're currently head of security at Zoom, but Zoom is spelled Z-U-M-E. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? What's your background? And, and so I see here story. you've been taking credit for engineers since uh, 2004. Congratulations. Yeah, as far as it did. Yeah, I'll take full credit for that. Yeah, so <laughs> I started off um, and how I ended up in cybersecurity is uh, after four years of college with a degree of history and English and wandering around Europe, I came home to find myself an exceptionally well-versed waiter. 
And I said, I should probably do something more. So I, I went back to college ostensibly to uh, pursue a, uh, a PhD in contemporary American criticism, um, like for, for like the New Yorker and stuff like that. And uh, hence the books. I've read all of these this month um, and uh, <laughs> had an argument with the dean and uh, said, if you don't let me start this September, I'm going to get an engineering degree. I don't know where I came up with that. She laughed at me. Three hours later, I am I have registered for Calc 1, Chem 1, and Physics 1. Five years later, I'm an engineer. Of course, I became an engineer during the economic downturn of the mid-90s, so no one was hiring environmental engineers. So I got into IT. A conversation with a friend led me to moving out to the West Coast and getting a job at Microsoft. And from there, LinkedIn says the rest of my history. But more importantly, the things that brought me here and why I do security is the but the guys who I hung out with and spent time with and respected and enjoyed them just as people just happened to be a bunch of security guys. So they needed an ops PM to run their hundreds of servers that were you, we were using to scan, collect, information, protect um, a company that was moving pretty fast. Uh, we were doing lots of cool stuff. And from there, curiosity, uh, openness, and a service mindset is why I'm here and why I keep doing it and why what fuels me and drives me each and every day. Outstanding. Yeah. Great. I'm glad you're here. I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, so let's jump in and see what we've got. Well, or we can try again. There we go. There you go. Hey. Uh, folks, this is the placemat that you've seen before. This is from the last episode. This is very much a detailed diagram, and I'm going to ask you to spend a minute taking a look at it. Maybe even print it out, hang it on your wall. I'll, I'll autograph it for you at conferences if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tattoo on my back. back. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, folks, this is the uh, the placemat that describes the cybersecurity organization. There are four sub-organizations, the GRC, the product security, the op security operations, and the engineering architecture and test. We're going to zoom in today on one of those four organizations. So, as you can see on the right side of your screen, that is the, the five services, uh, six services of a common security service catalog in engineering architecture and test. We also see that there are, it looks like nine individual teams in there, and there's a lot of staff involved in that. Many of those staff are senior folks, and many of those staff are, are folks starting out. And so there's a real opportunity here to understand what are the roles, what are the teams, what are the functions, and where am I in that? Because if you understand the security organization, you can start to see where you fit in it. And that's what we're really trying to help with here. Let's jump forward. Those uh, Now we've highlighted the engineering, architecture, and test disciplines uh, specifically. We've got the six services and the teams. Uh, do you guys have some experience in some of these services? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience in them? I know uh, I've spent the last five years doing the IT project support, uh, building a program at a, at a large company. And, and Brad, I actually learned that from you. Um, in 2006, I was in your organization hired by you to do IT project support. And uh, uh, I've made a career out of copying Brad. So, Brad, <laughs> go. how about that? Highest form of flattery. Highest form of flattery. Thank you. What, how about uh, that? What, so, yes, it's a good place to start. And uh, we look through these different parts of the organization and remembering in the context of uh, folks looking for their next big thing or where they want to arrive ultimately in their careers. We look at um, security architecture and strategy as the pinnacle of these roles, not because it takes the smartest or hardest, but the accumulation of knowledge and understanding IT operating environments, um, software coding practices and trends and practices and laying down where the industry is going next 
means for you, you have to have a lot of experience to play in this arena. Um, it's less about intellectual horsepower and more about really depth and time in the saddle to be able to contribute um, in a meaningful way. Not to say it's beyond anyone, but man, it takes a lot of living and learning to p- play a role in that security strategy it and does. architecture roles a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There's a big people dimension here, and the way you get to know people is just by working with them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, something that looks amazing on paper is completely impractical if you don't have yeah. the right people. Well, and that's you know, it's interesting. We we've got it rubbed right up against a solution engineering and architecture because that's a little bit easier to play in the space. Strong practitioners who have a lot of time in uh, assembling a building and making things um, tend to play in this role, and it's it's a good strong role um, to move into and upwards. Um, because of the hands-on practicality. And there's a natural, at least in my experience, there's a tension between these two functions, these two roles, engineering and architecture. Because engineers tend to look at architects as having their head in the clouds and not being able to deliver anything. It's like <laughs> talking to death, right? Um, I mean, how many times have, have um, and nobody answer, we've had a meeting where the engineers got it all figured out, let's go make and do a thing, and they're already starting to roll for sleeves and log into servers and spin up VMs. And the architect comes over and says, yeah, we tried that five years ago, craps all over it and calls the CISO and shuts down your project dead in the water. Not saying where that happened quite a bit, but that happens quite a bit. You know, Conversely, and on the contrast, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the architect goes and invents a new idea and says, we're going to pontificate about the thing that's over there. And the engineer says, that'll never meet the road. The rubber will never arrive at road. Yep, they, they'll talk it to death. We don't have a thing with this stuff. And um, I think one of the most successful um, projects led uh, as a leader in IT um, security was when at, at, at a former employer, we put together what's called a vision to um, vision to uh, delivery strategy. And what it was is we paired architects with engineers and inside of a particular swim lane, be it identity and access management or network security or AppSec or um, mobile devices and made them play out a three-year plan, five-year plan. Architects do this all the time. But then we made the engineers put together a Gantt chart of individual projects that assemble to make that for, okay, so if we want in five years to have this overall capability, which the CISO loves, then we're going to need these eight different projects in this order. And if you don't fund this one here this year, everything gets pushed by that year. And that, that, that unifying of the practices and also the peer mentorship that occurred there between the um, uh, architects and engineers was a, was a tremendous success. And, and one of the things I'm most proud of, actually. That was, a, that was a good year. So if we keep going down the list just a little bit. Thank you, Brad. That was interesting. Um, if we go down the list a little bit, I'm looking at vulnerability management and application security, both as teams that take, uh, while we just talked about engineering and architecture as very senior roles, Vulnerability management and application security both have some room for, for the interns, for the, for the new folks who are just trying to get their start. Very accessible. And it's, it's cool, too, especially in vulnerability management. There's some amazing tools out there that have been around for a while. Do, do we name company names or product names or do we avoid that here? We do because we hope they send us money. Oh, good. So um, <laughs> Rapid7 is absolutely a fantastic. I've worked them often. <laughs> Um, and uh, Qualys, another very, very strong product, uh, collection of products. Um, love them both. I'll, I'll tell you, one of the with vulnerability management, though, um, it still requires a, a level of skepticism on the operator's part. Um, and I'll give you a, a one small short example. The um, If you're scanning, years ago, we were scanning uh, Linux systems because uh, we were in a very heterogeneous environment. And um, uh, for some reason, Debian um, was, a, was a huge choice. And in our vulnerability scanners, and I won't tell you which one we were using, and it wasn't their fault, 
they rely upon the manifest of what the um, what the version had and what was in it so we could scan for what was vulnerable. And the Debian manifests were the absolute worst. So the, the ocean of false positives and caught, this was caught by a very junior member um, of the team. They're just, because they're just trying to learn. They're just trying to be diligent. They're reading the manual. They're double checking the books. I and love that the, you're talking about false yeah. positives because that's the money in this one. It's not about, can I get the tool running? Can I turn it on? Can I make it scan? It's all about, are the results useful or functional for my yeah. partners? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's not just about patches, right? Patches are a big part of it, but it's also about configurations, right? Are configurations correct? Sometimes it's about an obsolete uh, piece of software that's just like, hey, we just either need to upgrade this thing or tear it out because there's no fixing it, right? It's it's just done for. So there's a lot that's go that goes on here. And um, and when I've done vulnerability management, absolutely w want to affirm that it's great to have junior people involved here because um, they're you know they're they're more they can be more tenacious. Um, they they begin they bring that beginner's mind, and and quite frankly, it's a wonderful training ground for them. They're going to learn so much. Yeah, tons. One of my secrets to hiring is actually pairing the the senior curmudgeon with the junior intern, right? Because the senior curmudgeon has, has forgotten more than I'll ever learn in my life. And the junior intern brings all of the energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. And if you get them to blend, you actually get the energy and the wisdom at the same time, and, and, and it levels up everything. So uh, if you're, if you're uh, uh, starting out your career and trying to figure it out, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the willingness to learn, the hunger is going to be a big selling point for your, for your opportunities. Yeah, and don't let don't let the curmudgeon tease that out of you either. Stay stay hungry. Yeah, indeed. And I'll tell you, as it, at a, at uh, one employer, I showed up um, before I moved back into management. I was a solution um, security solution architect, working with the smartest, most experienced security people in the entire company. I think I added up amongst the eleven um, architects, there was a uh, one hundred and seventy five years of security experience. Just security. There was more IT before that. And I ended up managing that group because I showed up with my hat in my hand and focused on what the overall mission was, which was delivering that vision action plan that worked so well that they, these smart fellas, uh, men and women were so focused on, on delivering their particular thing, um, that they lacked the ability to organize themselves, to make it a, a, a story that could be used and consumed by the institution. Um, so you don't always have to be the top alpha nerd to be a high value to the corporation um, and, and or to the role, right? No matter if you're corporate or smaller. So please keep that in mind while you're building your career. Be, be curious. Show up with your hat in your hand. And if you think you know the answer, you're probably wrong. But that doesn't mean don't voice it. Just know how to say it to encourage a conversation uh, with these folks who have been doing it for a really long time. A lot of humility goes a long ways. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That's a hard lesson to learn. So we didn't talk about application security, but we've, we've mentioned it before that AppSec is one of the newer disciplines and very much an opportunity for a, a, a young code whiz to step into a security role and, and be really successful. Or for that matter, a senior code whiz can step into security and be, be really successful. And yeah, I'll tell you, and I would, go, go ahead, ahead, Brad. I, say, I want to put a challenge out. Anybody who wants to join AppSec. Um, since I've been in security for, was it, 18 years now, um, Cross-site scripting and SQL injection are still a problem. Now, I came to <laughs> I, I came to security from an IT perspective. So, rack stack, build, burn. 
right? You know what? We've managed to get Rackstack build burn done right and safely. So why are we still seeing cross-state scripting and SQL injection? So you young AppSec persons out there, figure out how to stop that because it's you're embarrassing yourselves. You software developers, you, you have got to stop this now, right? But there you go. <laughs> that's my rant. Let's just shame them into compliance. Let's. That sounds yeah. like a plan, Brad. Yeah. The white hot spotlight of shame. Mm-hmm. Let's put it on. Put it on those guys over there. <laughs> so you've uh, got. If I keep going down the teams, the security functional testing is going to be only in the larger organizations. Uh, and stepping into just a tester role, you're probably not looking at security testing. You're probably looking at functional testing in general. Uh, so I'm not going to highlight that role as much. I know that the bug bounty programs are usually run by an individual who is running a, a bug bounty role, and and usually that's outsourced. So. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't pursue that one as much. But then penetration testing is your next one, and the internal threat hunting is right after that. And I think those are actually really interesting roles for for the uh, the hot whiz, right? If you're if you're the new hotness and you are bringing it uh, at school, uh, welcome to the big pond where uh, the big fish are bigger than you've ever imagined, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and and but you know at the same time you know be careful because there's a my, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of people pursuing, uh, you know, more, more jobs than, than there are people pursuing them. So, you know, there's a lot of competition to get those pen test jobs. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that to discourage anybody. I'm just saying it to make sure that you understand, you know, the reality um, of the situation. But I, I want to, I do want to say that if you want to get into AppSec, I just want to back up for just a moment. Um, you know, you can you can do a lot on your own, right? So you could learn how to code so that you could begin to appreciate how why is it that we're still dealing, you know, with cross-site scripting vulnerabilities and, and SQL injections, right? And so you could actually go and build something yourself and then you could go test it, right? So there's a lot you can do to come up to speed with application security uh, before you ever get hired anywhere. So that's one of the things I just wanted to highlight. And of course, bug bounty, right? You can sign up for a bug bounty program, many of them. And um, uh, and so anyway, I just want to fo- just highlight the fact that that is a very fertile ground if, if you like coding. I'm going to call out two things here, Kip, uh, building on what you just said. The first is, if you're sitting on the bench and you don't have a lot to do right now and you're trying to figure out how I can grow myself, I got to recommend go to AWS and build yourself a uh, a web shopping cart, right? And build that web shopping site to sell yourself a pack of gum. I need you to process a $1 transaction selling your mother a pack of gum. And then I need you to be able to draw an IT architecture diagram of what it is that you've created. And then I need you to do a threat model. Uh, and I'm, I'm calling out the specific disciplines right here, right? Uh, the, the threat model of your own IT architecture diagram. And where do you want to put your security controls and which layers? Do I want to do network security controls? Do I need to do identity security controls? What controls are appropriate for my sell a pack of gum to my mom over the internet for a dollar, right? And then if I've done all of that, um, you probably can't pen test it on AWS, but I bet there's a way you can run it locally and 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 poke some, uh, do some testing against it, right? Yeah, I'll Perfect. tell you, it's, it's the cloud has made um, infrastructure security uh, so much more accessible. It was literally almost impossible to acquire that kind of knowledge and understanding before. And whereas um, software development, you, you could. You could roll up your sleeves and then figure out how to break your own stuff. Um, with the advent of cloud and the accessibility, and incredibly low price, including a lot of student pricing as well. All and a of free us, tier. Yeah, a free tier. Uh, I think all three of us have um, our AWS accounts and our um, Azure accounts um, specifically because 
frankly, I've gone into meetings um, and being unable to answer a question, I'll take the hour before the meeting to try something out or take a look at it. So I should have prepared to, frankly, embarrass or belittle those people around me. Um, I mean, <laughs> deliver the best possible <laughs> insight I can to the project. Without stealing their credits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but be, be forewarned, though, um, you'll learn a lot about um, bad things that can happen in the cloud as well. So um, be vigilant and uh, use a credit card, not a debit card, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I want to... But not somebody else's credit card, all right? We're not well, that kind know. of show. Well, uh, no, we're not that kind of show. I do want to call out Bug Bounty. <laughs> While we're on that topic, Bug Bounty is an, and pen testing is an interesting way to go. If you're really serious, I want to be a pen tester. I'm not going to deter you. I'm not going to turn you away from it. I'm going to tell you that the pen testers that I hire have already made $30,000 in Bug Bounties on in the wild, right? So if you're really hungry to make that pen testing role, go go make $30,000 as a bug bounty researcher and you are ready for the pen testing job. And there's nothing stopping you. You don't need anyone's permission to do that. Yeah, just do it. Up, go for it. Yeah, um, just do it. And, and, and a shout out to testing as well. My very first job at uh, that big company in Redmond was a software test um, to ship Windows 98. So they'd all start somewhere and test is a really good place to start. Yep. Folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out that Threat Intel is the last one on this list, and I, and I'm not gonna direct you too much that direction because while that's a really interesting part of the security story, that is really for folks who have been doing uh, and studying the the dark web for a long time. Uh, would you guys disagree with me there? Would you say there's some spots for for starters in the Threat Intel space? I, I don't think, okay, so the problem I have is I, I'm not sure we all know what Threat Intel is. Um, it's so new and unstructured. And, and, and the people that I see doing it most more than anybody else, to be honest with you, is former FBI agents. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, unless you're going to get coffee for the former FBI agents, I don't know that, what you can do there. I'd say I got a good one. Um, I, at, I know... Few people are familiar with Reddit. It's a little website that some people have tried out looking on for um, you know, highbrow content. Um, Never Reddit, heard of it. R slash <laughs> gave NetSec. up on. Yeah, our, our, the R security one are, it basically uh, is all about selling stuff. But R slash NetSec uh, is a fantastic resource for what is actually happening in the wild today, and what people are talking about. And my very short story was I, before I wandered into work on a Monday, I wandered across and said, "Oh, hey, what's going on in NetSec?" And it's Click Heartbleed something, went to his beautiful page. You all, you all remember the Heartbleed page with all the information and the big picture of a bleeding heart. And it's really informative and what's going on. Super cool. I finish out my day Monday in my normal role. And Tuesday morning, uh, first thing in the morning, I'm having a meeting full of senior executives of cybersecurity and um, product management at a very, very, very big company. And um, at the end of the meeting, I played my role. I was a te- technical solutions architect at the time. I, I attended these meetings to contribute to the conversation. And I said, hey, just a reminder, everybody, today, it's, it's a, you know, 847, and uh, pretty much all your IT team is going to be pretty busy passionate for this Heartbleed thing because it's, it's a big deal. And I'm sure you all know that, just reminding you to forget, don't heap out, heap it on the engineers. <laughs> and they're like, the heart what? You're, you were Paul Revere, no, weren't you? <laughs> honestly? Nobody knew. I was, I, I, and again, I don't want to throw my former employer under the bus, but I was the first reporter for Heartbleed in a Fortune 50 company. Um, all because I was wandering around on Reddit looking at, you know, 
I can't has cheeseburger memes. So um, Reddit. <laughs> I think it's great uh, that Brad can read. Awesome. So I think we're winning. <laughs> well, memes, you know. <laughs> That's an That's old meme, Brad, just so you know. I know. That's, I know, I know. <laughs> mm. That might have been one of the first. <laughs> Best thing about it, never, never gets you know, old. I, good stuff, Brad. That's that's a good point. Threat intel isn't doesn't have to be a dedicated role in the way that I had described it a moment ago, right? It could just be you doing your job and keeping your ears open. Literacy is a big part of the role. All right. Uh, thank you, folks, for walking through some of this service <laughs> the, catalog and some books. of the common services in engineering, <laughs> architecture, and test. I'm going to remind you. Oh. We've got a whole lot more content. We got to move. Okay, uh, let's do it. Some of the common functions and tools, the processes and standards that you might run into when you're doing uh, engineering architecture and tests might be a reference architecture or threat models. You might be using Metasploit or in your in your pen testing, you might be vuln scanning tools. Um, there's a lot of scanning and reporting and and not enough automation. So if you can bring automation to this space, that would be awesome. Agreed. Um, and you're, you're teeing me up for the architectural design review. Um, we've done a lot, a lot of that. Um, and, and what it is, uh, what started off as a practice of the smartest people at the, in security shouting at the smartest people in the software development team instead has become a, a much more of a, a, a Q and a session, um, and a practice you need to develop and mature wherever you're going. So when, when you're doing it, want to be part of it. It's, um, it's more about talking through what your aspirations are for the product or, or the system that you're evaluating, the resources you have to assemble and snap together. And finally, um, it does that make sense? And have you considered um, how this could be attacked or tipped over? And this is the role of security practitioners. We will play time and time again. Um, my competence uh, uh, at doing this waivers, depending on when the last one I did was. Um, but even when Wes and I worked together again recently, um, he had me doing roll up your sleeves, hardcore, um, architectural and, and security engineering design reviews and, um, remembering how a thing can be broken and what they are thinking, um, is a big, big part of that. And so you can do this matter of fact, uh, for again, people just growing into this industry in this, in this segment, you can start doing this yourself. Find, find diagrams of how a thing works. Like Wes said, um, get yourself an AWS account, take out a piece of paper and draw what you think you're about to make. Um, when you draw a line <laughs> from a thing to a thing, like, hey, if, can you tell me how your website is going to, how your web server is going to talk to your database server, right? On what so Brad, of if you're going to do that, yeah. if you're going to do that, that diagram needs to have beer cans and lightning bolts, I believe. Beer cans and lightning the... bolts, baby. That's, that's the official nomenclature for, and some of the designs that we've received have been laughably over simple. Some are grossly overcomplicated. Remember that the document that someone is showing you and sharing with you is a path to arriving at understanding between the two of you so that you can laugh and point at them with your friends later when they aren't around. Um, but provide fantastic feedback to make you look like a genius in front of the boss. Um, and then a lot of it, this can be, is very accessible. So even though you may be an AppSec person, do you know what ports and protocols are? What, what does your SQL database talks to your web server on what port? What protocol are they talking? Can you have that conversation? Because if you can't, you need to go back to the drawing board and learn how to do that. Is that a mutually authenticated encrypted API? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That thing. Can we talk about Good zero stuff. trust? We'll talk about zero trust later. Uh, <laughs> big fan. Big fan. I do want to call <sighs> out that uh, these teams have real good partnerships with your policies and standards management. They've got partnerships with your risk management because everything they find is either remediated immediately or put on the risk register. 
you can't find it and forget it. That's one of the rules. And then uh, lastly, there's a strong partnership with incident response because this is the team that's working to protect the environment. And then when bad things happen, uh, we've got a feedback loop so we can work to protect the environment better, right? So, so that's very much how these teams work together. There's also some enterprise dependencies here, right? Uh, dependencies outside of the security team that are key partnerships for these teams, right? So if, if you're going to be in an architecture engineering function, you probably want to have a strong partnership with your IT infrastructure teams, right? Your networking team, your sysadmins, your database admins, and your cloud administration. Those are your best friends. Your very best right? friends. And the ones who make you look the worst when you get it wrong. Um, they don't, do not think they don't know security. They just choose not to do it, do it, uh, not be secure, but to perform the function. <laughs> they choose not to um, be paid for that title specifically. Yeah, well, I hope they're doing exactly. it. Exactly. But you know, I'll tell you what they are. They, they, they are incented. Your networking teams are incented to get things connected, to make them work. You are incented as a security practitioner to block anything that shouldn't be occurring. So that tension exists. Get to know these guys, these men and women quickly, understand them, bring them coffee, bring them donuts. Uh, because they're what's going to make you look really good when they're asking for you to join. That's you, you're winning. Yeah, and and keep the Brad. You're right. There's tension. Keep that tension as healthy as you can possibly keep it, because when that tension devolves into sneering and muttering under your breath about what a bunch of jerks they are, and you really believe that, you're done for. Like that's the beginning of the end, because these are real relationships and. Oh my God, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people just destroy their ability to work with others. And, and then when they wake up and realize, oh my God, I really need them, it's too late. And, and a reminder to everyone who's getting into security, you are not a paladin. Um, you're not saving anyone from themselves, even though you kind of are. Uh, and if you show up with that attitude and you're saving them, trust me, the networking guys, you will lose. You're, the first volley, remember for the first couple rounds, you're going to lose. So you go wrong, you're going to be right but you're going to lose. You'll Until be you, right and wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then the company will get popped and you're suddenly back in the limelight. You're right. And everyone's listening to you. That's got a really short period. It doesn't last for, it lasts for a very short window because the company is in business to connect and get things done. And therefore it's not there to be secure. Security is a risk. You're, you're going to work in a silo, but you can't work alone. I don't need to say more because you guys just said it. and I love it. It's well said. <laughs> Um, simply put, you don't own the networks, the databases, the systems, the cloud, you don't own the code, uh, but you own the influence for security, the advocacy for security. And if you lose that influence by undercutting it in the relationship category, that's expensive. All right, let's keep jumping here. Cause I know we've got a lot, a lot more to cover today. Uh, we did see last week, a uh, look at, uh, the, staffing swagger and the budget swagger for this this area i want to call it out here we're we're looking at a a 27 percent of your overall security headcount is actually in the engineering architecture and test function right if i've got a large budget for a security organization 18 percent of that budget is actually in this engineering architecture and test function right uh you can you if you've if you've got the video version you can see it on the screen and kind of see where the details of that go um Understand this is our best guess. Yeah, and you can go back to uh, last week's episode because we we did a deeper dive on these two diagrams and we showed them to you uh, in, in in a much larger uh, setting, so you could actually read the words on there. But <laughs> but we just want to make sure, right, that 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 we remind you 
uh, that that you should be paying attention to budget and staffing. I would ask you, Brad and 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 you, Kip, uh, the the estimate of twenty seven percent of your staff and eighteen percent of your budget. Does that sound about right for engineering, architecture, and test and the functions we've talked about? Or would you like to see more money or more staff or less money, less staff in this in this area? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be greasy. It depends. Um, uh, in my current role, um, <laughs> my current role as an army of one, um, it's, do I spend a third of my time on this? Yeah, actually it's, it's a pretty good swagger budget wise. Um, depending on the maturity of the organization, um, you need people to build and test more or less. Um, it depends on the velocity of the company and how much changes, the more change there is like, uh, we moved when, um, we spun off services to create a whole new company called DXC technology. We had to move a portfolio of a hundred and 1,000, 1,100 applications, um, in less than one year, um, completely into a new operating environment and model. We, I swear we probably doubled, um, this for a eight month period to get through that entire portfolio, but it went back to normal. It, it, it depends on the swag, the less change, the lower you can make this budget. Yeah, but I, and I also think that um, the industry that you're in is going to matter as well, because if you're in a tech industry or a tech-heavy industry, then these are probably the right numbers. But if you're in a manufacturing space, then you know these numbers are probably you know too large, um, or or the money is spent differently. In other words, you're you're paying contractors uh, or consultants or outside companies by the project instead of putting those people on your payroll, so it could look mm-hmm. different. Yep. Outstanding. And so when you're heading in the, when you're heading in this industry, if this is going to be your trajectory, um, know, you know, this, that's one way to sniff around and find um, the opportunities and find the jobs. Look for look for companies that are that are uh, M and A work too, mergers and acquisitions work. Um, you'll see a lot of opportunity for architecture engineering because you got to connect these companies together, and that's a chance for employment as well. So target that. That's big. All right, and that brings us to. What kind of jobs are available in these in these roles, right? Uh, some of the senior positions might be that architectural roles, uh, an enterprise architect, a solution architect, and a strategy architect. Uh, Brad, can you tell us what the difference is between those three? Yeah, so an enterprise architect has responsibility um, for the multi-year plans and the control sets for the particular discipline or swim lanes. So there's more, usually more than one. Um, because there's usually more um, uh, control areas. An example is networking. Uh, mobile devices, um, endpoint protection, which is the, the security of your um, uh, laptop, computer, what have you, um, and a cloud architect. Um, the solution architect is much more pointed and sharp or, and is responsible for designing very specific solutions that meet the company's enterprise goals um, and longer-term projections, but are wrapping controls around that specific type of technology or that specific um, large um, project, such as uh, your big data solutions or your, um, which I, I, I own that uh, reference architecture for um, Hewlett Packard uh, for a couple of years. And, and so what was really interesting about that, that function, that role, um, is that you, you had to become an SME. You're so tempted to become an engineer and design the widget or the tool to protect it, but you can't. you got to back up and you have to specify the attributes of the controls. Um, and then finally, as a, the strategic uh, architect or, or strategy um, role um, that's when it, that next layer of obfuscation uh, takes on that much more importance. You need to talk and listen to the business objectives of the um, C-suite and their immediate re- reports to understand where the corporation is going, 
how security heavy or not heavy are you? And what are other um, uh, potential controls or resolutions to security issues or upcoming security problems that can be addressed in other ways, either, say, legally um, uh, or uh, or otherwise? Um, And so that strategy on it isn't that we want to do a thing in this amount of time, but we want to become the biggest maker of waffle and fuzzy hats. And therefore, I see a big push in this area to meet the protection of this hat design by, mm. um, but it's, it's very, the, the further you, the, the further you go, the further away you get away from the nuts and bolts of designing. And it's really hard. So people really want to stay engineers. They still want to build and uh, that you're, you're, you'll be much less effective. So when you're choosing your career and as you're growing your career, um, architect isn't necessarily the next biggest step from being an engineer because you stop making stuff and you become more and more disconnected um, from the, the uh, ext- frankly, pretty darn interesting um, nuts and bolts of security. You know, as, strategy, as, as security strategist, I did the least amount of security in my entire career. It was all about business relationships. Interesting. Some of the other senior positions might be software engineer or penetration tester. I think we're going to see those actually also in the junior positions because that's where the curmudgeons and the, and the juniors come together uh, to really light things up. Uh, in some of the entry-level positions, we see the scanning tools and the reporting tools. We see the, uh, the junior pen tester. We see the threat intelligence and reporting function could be a junior role or, or as you said, Kip, maybe a DOD transfer type role. And then we also saw some application security opportunities there. And I want to, to the senior positions too, can I add um, infrastructure engineer? Um, these Indeed. are the folks who got that's the path that my teams came up, uh, Rackstack, Bill Byrne, which is becoming more and more cloud. So you have your cloud engineer, but can you set up and configure and connect the pieces of the system without actually writing code to reside upon it to accomplish the business function? Um, and so that's a, that's a real route up. And particularly with the advent of cloud, um, you can get really good at your cloud configurations, learn the security to it with probably a heavy dose of identity and access management to that. And now you're very valuable to me and now I want to hire you. Outstanding. And I think that is where we're going to end this slide and take us to uh, some last, last words from Brad, right? Uh, what have been the keys to your success? And what would you say to a mentee? And what do you wish you knew now? Uh, wish you knew then that you know now. Keys of my success. Um, uh, if we can simply start with uh, my dazzling effervescent personality, um, I think the most important things to being successful is a, a, an unabiding desire, a, a curiosity, a driving, flourishing it, with everything. Security in particular, the weirdest stuff comes from the weirdest place, from LUN hopping to SQL injection. All these are very interesting, very tightly well-defined things. You've got to be curious. Um, I was talking to the um, data architecture um, uh, courseware class uh, at uh, UW um, uh, last year. And um, the one thing I really wanted to land with these folks is whatever you're learning today, please know that in three years, you may be the world's outstanding expert at something. um, And what you've learned is completely worthless. So if you're looking to and making as well, whatever you've built this year, five years from now, no one cares. Not a bit. No matter you work, put your heart, soul into it, get over it. Um, you want that kind of thing? Go be an artist. Go be an author. Um, but um, that you always have to be driving and learning and doing more. Even you know, all of us on this podcast, I'm sure at some point today or tomorrow, we're going to spend two, three hours reading something about something. Um, you Definitely. have to, that curiosity. 
that curiosity necessarily feeds listening. Uh, we're all, all three of us are talkers. Let me tell you how much not talking we are continually training ourselves to do, um, because there's always something more someone can teach you. Um, and if they're in school currently and looking at the field, I would tell them to focus on, um, I have a, I have a openly stated bias towards traditional engineering roles only because, um, from mechanical to electrical to whatever, only because it's such a, a, a vicious beating and a massive amount of work. I think I'm um, doing Wes's driveway. Um, they move one stone at a time and that's part of the engineering curriculum. Um, so <laughs> those people who are willing to do that to themselves and endure that I know can work through to completion. We talk about not, you don't need a piece of paper to get a job with me, but the fact that you completed and got a piece of paper means you started and finished something. And man, how I cannot tell you how many times people don't finish stuff um, in, in, in business in general. Um, so complete them. Um, focus, cloud, 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 cloud. Um, servers are kind of cool because you can all clear on that, Brad. Brad. I wasn't clear <laughs> on that. What what was the focus you recommended? <laughs> Something with a C. Uh, word. Cloud. There you go. Started with a C. Um, Foggy. It's, it's it's our future. Uh, the naysayers are, are are going the way of the dodo, um, and uh, the various permutations of it. And it's so accessible. There's so much great online instruction that is truly high quality. Everything from a cloud guru. Um, uh, look on Udemy, uh, U-D-E-M-Y uh, website. Lots of these these um, educational packages go on sale for ten bucks. Honestly, best bang for your buck. It's fantastic, high quality stuff. Um, love it. And then finally, what do I know now that I wish I knew then? Um, I mentioned it briefly. I was trained in security by 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 Boy Scouts, by paladins, by heroes. Um, so you you have the the ability to say whatever you say because it's true, right? Let me give you this before you open your mouth. Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And if it fails, any one of those choose to keep your thoughts to yourself. Um, and not joking. Had, had I followed that more, um, my road would have been a little less bumpy. You will appreciate. Is it true? And I, I, there are other places that have co-opted <laughs> that. I didn't, I didn't write it. Didn't come up with it. Um, but buddy, that would have really helped. Um, and, those are uh, good words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because security, security is just another function inside the corporation. It holds no higher nor lower place. I, I had a conversation with a CEO this morning, literally, uh, on this exact topic. Security is another necessary function, but so is marketing, so is sales. The moment you think you are somehow above, as opposed to so in support of the business and the mission of the company, you have lost. So those two things are, are absolutely critical and very essential, all joking aside. That's What's that? that? What are those three criteria again? True, necessary, kind, in that order. When you evaluate before you open your mouth is what I'm going to say the truth. And we're in security. So integrity and honesty is, is of paramount importance. Is it necessary? Do you really have to say this right now? Does this information need to be in this conversation at the moment? And finally, can you say so with kindness? That is recognizing, acknowledging the importance of the relationship with the people around you. And um, can be applied to the other places of your life, of course. But um, trust me, here in the workplace, so many, yeah. Brad, Too I really appreciate you jokes. coming on with us today. You've dropped some <laughs> wisdom on us here at the end and some knowledge along the Thanks, way. Buddy. It's been really fun to to hear from you and your experience in the engineering, architecture, and test space. And I, I hope that our listeners picked up a little bit on that and maybe they can see themselves in one of these roles. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brad. Thanks so much. All right, Wes, next slide as we uh, wrap it up here. 
So listen, um, if you like our podcast, if you enjoyed what Brad shared and what Wes shared, then I'm going to suggest you grab a free guide that we've put together uh, just for you. It's called Play to Win, Getting Your Dream Cybersecurity Job. It's a downloadable PDF. It's about 20 pages. And uh, on the screen, if you're watching this in our YouTube uh, channel, you'll actually see uh, an excerpt of this PDF, pages uh, six and seven. And so it's a real visual guide. And what it's going to do is it's going to teach you uh, what's standing in the way, honestly, between you and the dream cybersecurity job that you want. But it uses a capture the flag metaphor to kind of walk you through, you know, what are those four blockers and how do you overcome them? The URL is on the screen. If you want to go grab yourself a copy, it's your cyberpath dot com forward slash pdf and uh right so until next time i just want you to remember one thing you're only one path away from your dream cybersecurity job thanks we'll see you next time thanks all